0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Building Lifelong Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rehnke. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to have a little extra conversation, kind of a bonus conversation, an extended part of season two of the last series we talked about. We just talked about cholesterol, right? We just had a huge series talking all about all things cholesterol, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of some common questions I see, maybe some rebuttals and just kind of my opinions about them. So this will be less of a evidence-based, like less literature, diving deep on anything like that, but just kind of off the top of my head, the things that... I see and how I can respond to these things that we talk about so and like I said by my, my all intents and purposes is uh, a little bit of a Jordan rant uh, but not really it is backed by evidence and I'll have some links as well but it's kind of the the questions that I see kind of floating around the internet when people talk about cholesterol so the first things first is well Jordan why would you make cholesterol if it's bad for us right so you know people say we need to have a high level blood you know cholesterol to make testosterone and other hormones and a bunch of other stuff so like you're telling me I want as low as possible I'm worried about that. Well, like the counterpoint to that is like, actually we don't need to take in cholesterol really. You know, We can make pretty much everything we need. So the blood level that we have is pretty much inconsequential. So once again, people are saying that, hey, they're equating that if I don't have a high blood level of cholesterol that I'm not, I don't have enough to make the things I need to do But That is not how it works as our bodies are way smarter than we are. They know that, hey, in times of scarcity, when we don't have access to that, we can make it endogenously. we can do it ourselves. And that's what happens the most of the time and quite honestly, Most of the cholesterol in our body is made in our cells. You know, like I said, it's so crucial to so many things that we've talked about, you know, whether it's hormone creation or even cell structure and, you know, processing, it's crucial for everything. So we have to have a way to make it ourselves. And so when people say like, oh, you know, I don't want it too low, we mess up our hormones, like there just doesn't seem to be any evidence for that. And, you know, if you think about it, if we look at one kind of thing I like to say, one, one kind of point I like to point out is that, you know, when we're growing and babies, like they've checked LDL levels on most babies and it's around like 30 milligrams per deciliter. So, obviously, we've talked about getting things under like 170 and whatnot. But, like, when you're growing and developing in the fastest period of your life, LDL is about 30 milligrams per deciliter. So, like, that is like super, super small. We call them infantile because it's so low. It's so low there, but we're still having all the development we need, all the processing to go through all that stuff. And so, it's one of those things, like I said, that's not like, you know, an RCT showing that, but like, intuitively saying, hey, like, when, it's super, super low as an infant and we're going through the fastest period of growth and development in our life, we don't seem to have issues with it. So it's just one thing, another example saying that, hey, what we see in the blood doesn't equate to what's actually happening in our body. And on top of that, you know, we we do have data from people like in hunter-gatherer societies, sometimes they have their LDLs around like 35 to 70, kind of their entire life. So like it's super, super low and they don't seem to have any problems and they have a, a really low rate of cardiovascular disease. And so, you know, some people even say that we have these physiologic doses around like, you know, somewhere in the 60s, like these hunter-gatherer societies it's like that's where we probably should be. Some people will say, and so once again, it's it's mostly like just saying that these people have really low cholesterol, and we don't seem to have issues with them functioning or dying early of heart attack or anything like that. And and actually has less, you know, cardiovascular disease. And so once again, it's just saying, that, hey, just because a number is low, like your LDL is low, that does not mean that we're not getting the cholesterol we need. And so there's actually some pretty decent data on top of that that when we start to creep up above seventy milligrams per deciliter, that's when we start to see an increase in plaque development. And so like I said right around that 70 threshold is where, you know, we're trying to go below 70 for people have already had a heart attack, right? So we're trying to prevent any further plaque burden. And so kind of intuitively thinking about that, you know, if we live under 70 our entire lives, the odds of developing cardiovascular disease is pretty, pretty small. And so once again, we have multiple examples of really, really low cholesterols, not seeming to affect our function. And so that's when someone says to me, like, well, it's super low, like, I don't need it. And then on top of that, people also ask, like, well, when I need it to make testosterone right like we need cholesterol to make testosterone and so it needs to be high because I need to be you know I need to have the right around testosterone and you know what what it comes in once again same thing is your testes are going to make their own cholesterol you know in terms of they have their own cholesterol then to make testosterone and so we do not need to have huge amounts of consumption of cholesterol to get what we need you know and there's been people who have been on cholesterol lowering medications there does not seem to be any observed levels of clinical hypogonadism or any other markers like LH or FSH that are abnormal and those people who are on cholesterol lowering medication and so once again, our body you know, it knows what it's doing in terms of if it doesn't have the quote unquote resources it needs, it still finds a way. And even then, like I said, the, the majority of the resources it needs, they make it already. Like it's, it's one of those things where they are not going out there and they don't say, oh man, we didn't get enough cholesterol in, I'm in trouble. It's like, no, like I like say, hey, I make this every day. We can do this. It doesn't really matter what the cholesterol of it is. And so once again, those are kind of some big arguments that I see and that I just want to point out saying, hey. Your body can make the cholesterol it needs to make all the hormones and things we need. Obviously, there's an issue if you're maybe malnourished for a long, long, long period of time. Could there be issues? But like, yeah, obviously, that's not what we're talking about here. Where most people we're talking about are very properly or overly nourished, and saying, "Hey, like, well, I need that to have optimal hormone levels," and that just does not seem to be true. All right, another objection that I see occasionally is that, "Well, our body would make something that isn't natural and it's not good for us." So this is kind of a, you know, the natural fallacy saying that, "Well, like, you know, our body makes it." and so therefore it's got to be fine for us and so if my body is at this level then that's fine and at the end of the day like we know that's just not true for many other things right like so this is a natural fallacy thinking that hey because innately this is what it is, then we should have an issue. Once again, let's say you're innately predisposed to having some sort of early cancer. Like, that's oh, that's that's good for you because we have that? No, we obviously know intuitively it's not. Once again, we also talk about blood sugars, right? Blood sugars can wreak havoc on our body, right? If you're in a state where you're, all are a sudden your blood sugars are super, super high, like, well, that was your body's response to that. Isn't that normal? Like, well, no, we know that that's not normal. And some people might say, well, Jordan, that's because we're in insulin resistance, that's totally different. That's Well, what I'm saying is that our normal physiological levels of cholesterol, are an LDL specifically, are not going to be 190 and above. Like you know, So those are kind of our cutoffs where we're saying, hey, we're kind of worried about that. It's the same thing. When I see someone with an LDL that is that high, clearly something in the process is not working. The same way if you saw someone with blood sugars that were super, super elevated, you'd be like, huh, is there some sort of insulin resistance going on? That's like the same thought process I have, whether that's a genetic predisposition to familial hypercholesterolemia or something like that you know i just tend to think like okay that's not a normal response to that you know look at the the normal normative data like that that seems atypical and so once again by saying like oh like hey this is you know an elevated ldl this is fine but then we have L, elevated sugars that are not fine to me that's kind of saying hey you're just kind of pushing one to the side and saying oh, I, I i prefer this and so i want this to be true and so therefore i'm okay with it and once again everyone has their own agenda everyone has their own biases myself included i get that once again i'm not going to say there and say hey like this situation is fine and this situation is not i just don't think that's the same so once again just because your body makes something doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you like i said we know that insulin resistance is bad we know that it's you know it, that that leads to issues down the line. so is it possible could it be possible that this is similar for cholesterol as well so just a question i like to i like to raise as well all right so the next question that i see all the time there are more, more of like a statement people say is that ldl doesn't matter it's all about information so what they're saying is it doesn't matter what your ldl is doesn't matter what your apob is all that matters is your level of inflammation because they say atherosclerosis can happen without inflammation. So that's what the general you know, saying is. But is that true? We'll kind of talk about it here a little bit. You know, That being said, inflammation is a normal part of our existence, right? When we have damage, when we have an injury, when we get sickness, we're gonna have inflammation in our body. What we worry about is when it gets out of control, right? Like in chronic conditions, we see like in rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, chronic kidney disease, type 2 diabetes, we see chronic inflammation. That's not good. We know that chronic inflammation definitely increases our risk for cardiovascular disease. So like that is well established. I'm not refuting that, but it's not the whole story. You know, we will see some studies showing things like med- medications like colchicine, which is an anti-inflammatory, may reduce heart disease. So that kind of says, hey, maybe if we control inflammation. It's a little bit better. I mean, why we care about it is because inflammation tends to lead to an oxidation, um, an oxidized LDL. And so once, once again, we have that LDL there, we have inflammation, it gets oxidized, and then these oxidized LDL are super atherogenic. And, but that being said, most of these are cleared super quickly in the blood and they don't actually contribute much to the ApoB concentrations in the blood. So what I'm saying by that is is people are saying, oh, like get your oxidized LDL number, that'll tell you all your risk. That being said, they're cleared pretty quickly. And so that's not necessarily a good marker of the inflammation that's going in your body. So let's talk about another marker, potentially something like CRP, right? So CRP or C-reactive protein is a pretty decent marker for inflammation in your body you know there's been lots of studies looking at crp and they found that crp and cholesterol both have independent risk factors for elevated heart disease so that being said once again that does kind of give a point saying that, that inflammation does play a factor in heart disease and once again i'm not making the argument that it does not play a factor it absolutely plays a factor we know that people with chronic inflammatory conditions like ra and all that stuff they have a high risk of heart disease and in the 2018 ACC/AHA guidelines those count as a risk modifying factor saying hey this inflammation is not good. It is bad and it leads to high risk of cardiovascular disease. So we are already acknowledging that. But to say in and of itself, I'm not sure if I agree with that. There have been some studies showing that elevated CRP and cholesterol have, you know, the highest risk. So there's been a group of people saying, hey, you know, let's look at a group with CRP and cholesterol. People who had high CRP, high cholesterol had the highest risk for heart heart attack, but then those who had low CRP and high LDL still had an elevated risk of heart disease. So once again, I'll say that if you had a high CRP and high LDL, you had a high risk for cardiovascular disease, the highest risk. So that makes sense. We have lots of cholesterol and lots of inflammation leads to bad things. But And those who were in the group who had low CRP, indicating low inflammation, but still had high LDL, they still have an elevated risk for heart disease. So it's kind of showing that it's not just the inflammation alone. Is inflammation playing a factor? Absolutely. But it's not the only thing that's causing it. And people can still develop heart disease also while they're young and have no risk factors or any noticeable inflammation. Like for an example, familial hypercholesterolemia. You know, a lot of times these people have issues with the LDL receptors. They don't have as many LDL receptors. So they have tons and tons of LDL. And these people don't typically have all the typical risk factors we think for cardiovascular disease, like they don't have obesity and they don't have insulin resistance, but they still are getting cardiovascular disease. And the question is, well, if it was just strictly information, would that be happening? Not sure about that. And so this is my question for people who say that it's the information. It's not the LDL. My really my one true question from them is, are you willing to bet your life on that? Straight and simple. Are you willing to bet your life on that? Are you willing to say that, hey, it's just inflammation. It does not matter what my LDL is, because then I have to step back and say, hey, also, how do you define atherosclerosis? Like, what is the process atherosclerosis? I think it's been conclusively shown that we have, you know, ApoB containing particles that get stuck in the subendothelial space, and then from there get inflammation going and then kind of at the process of atherosclerosis and more inflammation building up the fatty streaks and the plaques and all that like that is the process of atherosclerosis and yes inflammation is a part of that but what is also a part of that apob containing lipoproteins and so for me it's like saying to completely ignore one half of the equation i mean if, if the equation is apob proteins plus inflammation equals atherosclerosis I mean, you're really taking 50% of that and saying, oh, I don't care about that. I just care about this. I think that being said, there are some people out there who go as far and say that it actually doesn't even matter at all of inflammation, that just particle concentration. If you have enough ApoB compounds, they'll find their way into your subendothelial space and start atherosclerosis. At so there's some people who even go that far and say that. That being said, I'm willing to admit the point. Let's just say it's inflammation plus that. And so if you're saying, hey, it's the inflammation is all I care about, and you're completely ignoring the other side of the equation, like for me, I just can't justify that risk. I mean, when you see this mountain mount evidence that, hey, maybe LDL is playing a role in this somehow, some way. And I mean, it looks like it's a very strong association in terms of the ApoB containing compounds. And so for me, like I said, once, once again, all I'm saying is, are you willing to bet your life on this and i'm not and the reason i'm not is cuz there's so many ways to modify this so you can lower your risk like i said if you say i have to eat this way like this certain way this you know, whatever, low carbohydrate, whatever you want, diet, whatever, and not, not to throw it on the bus, but if you're saying this is the way I have to eat, then, okay, then we've got to make do with what we've got. But that being said, we can still mitigate both sides of the equation. So you can get your, you know, the, I assume most people are on that because they feel like it's, you know, better for them and whatever, whatever way, shape or form, whether it's insulin resistance or blood sugar control or whatnot, or weight. That's fine. We can have those effects, but then also don't just ignore the side. Like I said, it's super easy for all of us, all of us who have our own biases and myself included. Obviously, I have my own biases, but it's so easy for us to say, hey, I like this idea. I like this makes sense to me. This is intuitive. I heard some doctor online talk about this, how I don't have to worry about this. And that's so good. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to because it was really elevated. And my doctor's told me that I should be worried about it. Like we're just confirming our biases there. And so like really, I challenge you to step back and be like, hey, in this setting, where I have very very elevated LDL, and am I willing to bet the house on that 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 doesn't matter? And here's another here's another caveat I want to talk about. As well. Like I said once again, this is a Jordan rant. Is how are you like how are you so confident to say that I will avoid inflammation? at all costs like i there's no way i'm gonna have this information that leads me at risk because once again it's like having a whole bunch of tinder just sitting next to a matchbook right just a bunch of matches sitting there and it's not just like you're hanging out and the matches are never gonna get like literally you're just like lighting matches every once in a while and you know there's sparks that fly across over there and that's what essentially information is That you have this box of tinder that's ready to blow up at any time and you put it next to a spark and that boom that can happen so when you're saying oh like i it's the information i'll get under control my is fine that being said like we don't even know what markers are are definitively like, oh, you're safe from this. You know, we don't have any inflammatory markers saying like, oh, you're safe from heart disease because it's at this level. So like, you're literally going off a test that like has a crude understanding of like, oh, this may be helpful. Like we think, you know, generally see risk reduction with this, but like there's no like specific number saying you're safe from this. And on top of that, how do you control that for the rest of your life? How do you know what's going to happen? How do you know that, hey, You know, maybe you get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, which would be awful. Maybe you have lots of chronic stress that despite your diet being locked in, you still have lots and lots of chronic stress because you have a stressful home situation or a stressful job or lots of responsibilities. Like once again, all these things that we have environmental you know pollutants that are causing inflammation, all these things that like a lot of times are outside of our control. We try to control them the best we can. And so once again, for me, looking at the whole picture, I can't control all these things. I can't do that. And so for me, I want to make sure I'm mitigating. The risk on all different things. And then we like said, I think you can do this with multiple different diets. So that's why, for me, I don't think there's one dietary approach that has to happen. If you do feel that way, that I can understand why you'd be like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't want, like, I need to eat this way. And so I'm just going to, you know, this is this is what comes with it. And so that being said, I don't think that's necessary. I like you to take a step back and say, hey, this equation of ApoB plus inflammation equals atherosclerosis. Are you completely ignoring one side of the equation? If you are, why are you doing that? And is it because of the way you want to eat? Is it because of a bias you have? Is it because you know you don't think you're impressed with literature? That, that's fine. Whatever it is, like I said I'm not here to change your mind. Uh, that's not at all. I just want people to reconsider and just think about things. You know, like I said. And for me, my whole idea: if someone says, "Hey, Jordan," well, maybe LDL, maybe you're the one that's wrong. It's like I, absolutely, man. Maybe maybe I am wrong. And you know what? That being said, that's because I'm not. I'm hedging my bets. I'm not saying, "Hey, it's only LDL." I know that LDL and information matters, and so I'm trying to control both of those things. And so for me, like if if the way i'm going to put all my i'm not putting all my eggs in one basket i'm saying hey i'm hedging all my bets trying to have have the lowest risk possible by kind of making sure i can kind of control the things i can control and understand there will be things that i cannot control and because of that i want to kind of make sure i'm putting my eggs in multiple baskets to kind of decrease my risk and so like i said that's my general idea my philosophy to it i know that's a big rant but like i said it's something i feel very strongly about and like i said it's not that i wouldn't work with someone who feels differently. i don't think that's i don't think that's the way to do it at all i think we should be respectful of other people's decisions it's it's their health said, i'm I'm not your doctor. If you're listening to this, I don't have any control over what you want to do. Like I said, I just care strongly about having people think critically about things and understanding their risks. And like I said, um, for me, like I said, I I want to just s- spread out the wealth, share the wealth of people, and kind of have this understanding of hey, this is what I see, and I see these patients who come in mm-hmm. and have tried these things, and they've, you know, I've seen the tail end of people who've tried the low carb and said they're you know feeling good, doing well, and I've seen them in the hospital for heart attacks and you know, it's like obviously that's not a randomized controlled trial by any means or sh- way shape or form but it's not this protective effect that a lot of people say it is you know online they say oh like you know this this happens or this how ha- i can't i can't get this because of this and that being said we don't understand it we just don't understand the full science anybody who says we understand it fully is completely lying and completely fool of it we know that people who have really high ldl sometimes they don't get Heart attacks. Other people, sometimes we have really low LDL, get heart attacks. Some people who have inflammation get heart attacks. Some people who don't get inflammation have heart attacks. We don't understand it perfectly. And so for me, it's all about lowering our risk by as many means possible. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it, because I just want everyone to have the opportunity to have all the tools in their toolbox at their disposal right and it's like not just one specific tool but all the tools that we have and so like i said that was a little bit of rant i do apologize but that's gonna we're gonna stop here this week right there with just those couple questions we'll continue next week with another additional um, session of some more questions that i'll talk about but i really appreciate you listening if you found this helpful you know if you'd like to comment and subscribe or share with a friend that would mean the world to me also have a newsletter sign up that you can click in the link below in the show notes and uh, each week i send out kind of a some information about an article or something that I saw that I thought was interesting so if you care to learn more about some research and want to hear from me during the week that'd be awesome if you sign up but really appreciate checking in thanks so much have a great day and we'll see you later disclaimer this podcast is for entertainment education and informational purposes only the topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that the science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.